0: Abba Yahweh, your time, your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom. Thank you, Father. The opportunity to be, again, that conduit to share this with anyone that's hearing the words, but listening to the message that is shared, Father, because it is your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom that comes from me because you gave it to me. I asked for it, Father, and you so willingly shared with me. Thank you so much, Abba Yahweh, for this opportunity to be about your business, to share and give anyone the opportunity for redemption. (sighs) Father God, to come in repentance, confessing Christ Jesus is our Lord and our King, our Savior, and that you came to us in this manner, Father God, died on the cross for us because of your love. You so love this world. Everyone has the opportunity. It wasn't just any one group or one color or one ethnicity. It wasn't any one in particular. You came so that everyone would have an opportunity. Ah, oh, Yahweh. Amen Aman Father, thank you so much. Yeshua Aman Braklit Aman. So um I have this thing going on and the Holy Spirit shows me these pictures and and it's it's an awesome thing. I love I love his visitation. Um I'm gonna share some things, a number of things that I'm going to share with you. And first of all, I'm going to share this. The Holy Spirit gave me this earlier. Um, some of you may be familiar with the saying, and some of you may not. I am going to throw that millennial thing out there again, and don't get your knickers all twisted and bundled up about it, because it's just it It, it has to do with the an age thing. You're not uh, familiar with things that come from my youth, and you don't know about things that were around when I was younger. And quite honestly, there's some of that age that don't even know how things function that we used to use. So it's not, don't don't get all your knickers all twisted up and sit uncomfortably because of it. it's just, it's a phrase, okay? There are some of you that are not going to remember things that are said. Now, perhaps maybe... I'm not going to be all apologetic about it. I'm just going to say that it's not meant to be an offense to anyone. And if you're offended, then that's what you're choosing to be. It's not meant to be that. It's just a. It's just a a delineation, is all. I'm an old guy. I'm older than some dirt for crying out loud. So let's just get over things, shall we? So there's an old saying, and it's called, and it has to do with the ties that bind. Um, it's, it's used in different situations for things. Family, the ties that bind. Love, the ties that bind. So what I'm sharing with you now, are you involved with the ties that bind or bonds that anchor? There's a difference, and we're going to discuss that. I'm going to share with you. So, you choose and choose wisely? Are you going to be sharing in the ties that bind or bonded that anchor now, as we talk about scripture and the things and we talk about being bond and and being uh, bound or bonded by chains and anchors or heavy ropes, Paul was constantly being bound by chains and ropes. Um, I believe, if I I may have then I have to look this up, but um, at least eighty percent of of Paul's letters, the epistles and and the books that he wrote to the various churches, and to his protégés and those that he was trying to encourage, 80% of what he wrote, he was in bondage. He was either under a house arrest, he was in behind bars, and there were, pardon me, there were times where Paul was chained in between guards. He had a guard on one side, a chain to him, and then a chain from him to the other guard, and behind bars and locked up. Peter ran into that too. So are you tied by things that keep you together or are you bound by heavy ropes and chains and anchored to those things that are not so good? Choose. Choose wisely. Brothers and sisters, I say that because you have a choice. As God gave us a free will choice in all matters, and all things, we can either choose to be righteous, we can choose to be upright, we can be, we choose to be bold and courageous and share his word and his truth, or we can be complacent, sit back, gripe and complain about anything and everything. We can be those thoughtful, lazy individuals that, yeah, you know, I don't have to do anything. I read the end of the book, and the book says we win everything. Well, what do we, what do you win? What do we win? You're like one of those armchair quarterbacks that talks about the football game that we won, or the cricket match that we won, or the the football, the soccer match that we won. And excuse me, but last time I saw some of these, and there are individuals that I know personally that speak that way, and I've told them, you know, I've called them out on it. Actually, and not in a hurtful way or anything, but kind of jokingly, I said, I'm sorry, but I saw that Jumbotron screen and the camera panning across the field of players and I didn't see you on the sideline or on the field. What do you mean, we? Got a mouse in your pocket? But that terminology is always thrown out there. Well, it's only we if we do it together. It's only we if you are in the spiritual battle together and you are going forward with other Christians. But if you have decided that it's not worth the effort because you read the end of the book and and God says that Jesus comes back and everything is gonna be the way he decides it's gonna be. So you decide that you don't have to do what God has called you to do. And you don't have to do what our sovereign Lord God and King and creator has called us to do. And you have decided that you are more sovereign than he is. Because let me tell you this about that. That's exactly what you're doing. You're deciding that you are more important than God and the scriptures and sharing the truth and the knowledge and the wisdom that comes to God, and that you have decided that you are not going to give anyone else the opportunity to be saved, redeemed, and be adopted into the family of the kingdom of God, and that you are not going to give them an opportunity to be an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. You have made that decision by saying that I don't have to do anything because we win. Well, shame on you. Do I sound like I'm admonishing? I am, because that's what the Bible tells us that we can do. We can uplift one another. We pray for one another. And if need to be, we admonish. And that's exactly what that is. Don't be a slothful lazy bugger and sit in the recliner or go out with the ladies and have your coffee and tea or however you spend your time. Instead of sharing the word, instead of praying for one another, instead of going out and doing like we did that prayer walk. I thought that, man, that was so... I may share that again right now, that prayer walk that we went on and seeing that house and the brothers, it wasn't anything bad. I mean, it's not to, not trying to diminish in any way. We were just, we were walking and we were at a pretty good pace. And let me tell you for an old guy and broken up and I had done way more than what I should have done and either exercising what we were doing, our little chore thing that we were doing, um, And then going on the prayer walk, I was, uh, I was in a hurt locker and I was constantly praying about, you know, for strength up there. But here's the thing. I did it. I probably shouldn't have. Well, no, I shouldn't have, but I did. Okay. Because I'm thinking at 66 years old, I'm trying to be like I was when I was young and in the service and and uh, doing the stuff that I was as a younger person. And that's not what I should be doing. So at any rate, we were on the prayer walk and I saw this house and I immediately I, I was hearing this word, Isaiah, 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 Isaiah. And I knew in looking at the door, I was thinking about the streams in the desert. That's That's, I mean, it was plain to me. And the two double doors, they had this beautiful glass work that was done and it had lead work. that was, It was very beautiful. Whoever did that, the door, and they, they had it custom done, I'm certain. Um, It was beautiful. And it looked like a river. And that's exactly what I thought. And that's what the Holy Spirit thought. He liked the door too. So he told me, he said, is Isaiah. And what I was thinking of is that in the book of Isaiah, it talks about the river in the desert and that there will be... Blossoms that will come up in the wilderness and, that, and it'll be a beautiful place, a beautiful thing. And God can do that. So, are we going to have the ties that bind us in love? Because the Spirit brought me to that place and then brought us and then we fellowship with the woman. She needed us. And this is what the Spirit does. Do we... Listen to the spirit, or are you complacent, lazy, slothful, despicable, and just, quite honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth, like it or not, worthless. Because quite honestly, if you're not willing to get up and do, then you're like that, oh, Here's here's an analogy that fits right into that. Just so you want to start squawking about things and you get mad at Christ and you get mad at God because he has spoken the same thing. You go to the word of God and what does he talk about the salt of the earth? You go back to the sermon on the mount. Go there. What does Christ call us? He calls us the salt of the earth. Why does he call us that? Let me share this thing that I know because as a as a one-time chef and baker, um, I did this thing, so I know about this. And I'm sharing truth, I'm not just making stuff up, which I won't do anyway. And you'll know if I'm being facetious, I'll tell you straight up. But here's the thing about salt. Salt is a very interesting additive that we can use to food. food, salt, can preserve. And they used to have back in the day, they didn't have refrigeration. And salt was used to preserve meat when they were on a long trek or they were going across, they had salt pack. And it was meat that was salted and it would draw out the moisture and the things that would cause meat to rot. And so when they were traveling, they had this and it was, yeah, it was salty, but they could chew it and the salt would diminish and, or they could rinse it off and then eat it and they would get nourishment. So salt preserves, salt can enhance flavor. And sometimes people use a bit too much, but that's not dealing with what Christ is talking about. So salt can enhance flavor. Salt, now here's the tricky one. And some people are not going to believe this, but it's true. Salt in the right proportions when you're a baker and you're baking desserts and you're baking treats and things like that, salt can draw out sweetness. So if you use just the right amount of salt in something that you're baking or creating to make it sweet, salt will enhance that. So salt has a lot of uses. But what does Christ say about the salt of the earth? And if you have lost your savor, then what good are you? What good are you if you're not going to go out and do what God called you to do and share the word of God, testify to folks and share the the very real possibility that they would repent and be saved and be able to come to heaven and be in heaven and join the family of God. But you're not willing to do that, so you're slothful, complacent, content with self, and you are very self-centered. So cut it out. And stop saying, we don't have to do anything. And instead, you can interject that prideful thing because you've already done that. Well, I don't have to do anything. I read the end of the book. That's what you really should say, but... People that are sitting back and doing that, they use that we thing collectively. It's very interesting how they're mm, what's that phrase that's used for um uh, selective hearing. Okay, so these individuals are selective Christians. They're it's we as the family of God when the situation suits them. And they want to make it sound As if everybody's in agreement with him. But let me tell you this. I'm not. And there are many that are not. We are called to share the word. And this is what I am about. I'm about my father's business. And he called me to do this. He gives me the words, the truth. And this is what I share with you. The truth. I'm only going to share the truth. Nothing but the truth. So help me, God. So help me, Paraclito. So help me, Paraclito. So come to the gusha. I'm only going to be speaking truth, only truth. Not gonna make things up, I'm not gonna do it. That's why my name's not even on this. I've already shared with you. I took my name off of there because then it was more about me and not about God. This is all about God. Everything I share is about him. It might sound like I'm the testimony that I share with you about certain things because I'm personally involved but it's to glorify God because God did this. And The thing when I was sharing about flying the other day, oh my goodness gracious, God remembered Sky King. I had forgotten about it. And we were talking about hope in Bible study uh, last night. We were talking about hope and how sometimes you get up. And I, I shared a, a meet when they were talking about how we give up hope sometimes, I immediately went to Ezekiel because that's what Ezekiel was prophesying over the nation of Israel. When Ezekiel was given the vision of the dry bones in the valley, it was about hope. It wasn't about this valley of dry bones. It was about the nation of Israel had given up hope. And as it said in Ezekiel thirty-seven eleven, and we had given up all hope For our part. They gave up. They didn't have any. They just didn't think they had anything to live for anymore. So they stopped worshiping God. They stopped praying to God. But here, let's share this. Let's go all the way back to Egypt. Did they not do that often? When they got into a tight jam and they got into a situation that they gave up. Or they turned and they shook their fist at God. Shook their fist at Moses. And complained and cried about it. And then when they went to Canaan, they were given a land of milk and honey that was told them by God. And they went in and they spied it out. Indeed, they brought out grapes that were the size of pomegranates. And pomegranates the size of pumpkins. And it was flowing indeed. The water was sweet. As if it had been infused with honey. They talked about all this stuff. But then you had those guys who said, yeah, but you know, the Ado Kim live in there and they're big. And they... We saw ourselves as grasshoppers, and they'll just step on us, and God's not big enough. God can't, God can't do that. God can't do this. He can part the Red Sea. He can do things. He can take the army of the Pharaoh that came after us to kill us and destroy them, and he can do all those things, and he can bring us water out in the desert out of stones and provide that kind of thing there. But uh, just not thinking that God's going to handle this. uh, He's not going to handle the giants. Really? Big enough to bring you out of Egypt, part the Red Sea, and you go through the plagues and things that were visited upon the land of Egypt, and locusts and all those things. And then when the angel of death came and you put the sacrificial blood over the doorposts, three points on that too, by the way. Overhead, the mantle, and the door jams. Top and both sides. Interesting there. Just thought I'd point that out. So the angel of death came through and saw that the houses that were following the precepts of God and following after what God told them to do, they were spared. God can do all that, but he can't handle the giants. Hmm. Hmm. So, back to the word here. Blessed be the ties that bind. Are you going to be, are you going to have them binding together or are you going to be bound and anchored? Choose wisely. Again, ties that bind. This was a this was a hymnal, actually, that was written by a young man in seventeen eighty two. And the first verse of this binds the ties that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship of kindred minds like that above. Now this is very important here, and I'm going I'm to go back to this. It binds our hearts in Christian. Now, remember what that word Christian? Christ-like or from Christ. So, binds our hearts in Christ-like love. The fellowship of kindred minds like to that above. So, the fellowship binds our hearts in Christ-like love or of Christ love. And then in the sixth verse from sorrow, toil, and pain and sin, we shall be free and perfect love and friendship reign through all eternity. Those are the verses that come from that song that was written in 1782 by this young man who was at the age of 12 years old, he was orphaned. Not specific what happened to his parents, but he was orphaned at 12. There's a lot of hardship that was going on back in those days. So in 1782, he wrote this, but at the age of 12, he was orphaned, and he was later, he was converted. To Christianity at the age of 16. Orphan at 12, converted and accepted the Lord at the age of 16. And he began preaching soon after that. And he had accepted a position going to a larger church from where he was. And this young man, John Fawcett was his name incidentally. he accepted a position at another larger church, but his congregation loved him so much that when he was getting ready to to pack up and and move, they all came out and they were begging him to stay and not go. He was dearly loved by his congregation this was This was an orphan at twelve converted at the age of 16 and then began preaching the word of God shortly thereafter. And he was doing what God said. Can you imagine that, you know, I'm just thinking that if he had decided to sit back in his rocking chair and not do what God called him to do and not share the word of God and not write the song. And this, the, the, the blessed be the ties of mine. This is a song that I can remember as a young person in church that it, it was sung. Blessed be the times of bind. So are we going to be tied with those to our brothers and sisters in Christ-like love? And remember there's another song that's sung They will know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they will know that we are Christians by our love. Is that true? Or are you going to be bound by unforgiveness and stay in the past and remorse and regret and agitation and worrying about how you're going to get somebody back? And remember that love binds us like a glue. And that Christ is the catalyst for that. Now there's, catalyst is an interesting thing. Catalyst in, in uh, is a chemical reaction. That is, there are some glues or adhesives that require a catalyst. And they, mixed together. Um, I use epoxy things quite often and you have a, they call it in some things, they call it a hardener and they have a product that's out there in, in automotive stores and things. And you can use it on automotive engines. It's pretty good stuff actually. And it's good up to, um, 600 degrees. I think some of them, the chemical makeup makes it even tougher than that, but you have, You have the adhesive, and then you have this other thing they call it a hardener. That's the catalyst. And you mix them together. And then, as you mix, you can actually feel it starting to stiff up. And then you better put the application there. And then, of course, you have a time and it sets. And then it becomes bonded. You can put together all sorts of stuff with that. But here's the thing Christ is our catalyst. Christ is our catalyst. And you can put together all sorts of things. And he is our necessary catalyst. He is a required catalyst that if we are going to be true Christians and if we are going to be truthful about our love and our forgiveness, we have to have that in us. And we have to have Christ's, Love in us we have to be changed because we have asked Christ to come into our lives we must have faith in God and guidance of the Holy Spirit but Christ is the catalyst and what is a catalyst well if you want to go and see a definition it is a person or a thing that changes an event or accelerates a change with this product that we can get in the stores called J.B. Weld. And there's other epoxy things. And they have the adhesive and then you have a catalyst and put them together and then it does what it's supposed to do. But in our walk, Christ is our catalyst. And he does indeed accelerate a change. And Christ is kind of a three-part catalyst, I think you could call it there. Uh, Christ, you got the, well, actually more than three. You have Christ, the cross, crucifixion, and then, of course, you have resurrection. Now, all of these are the ties that bind us together as Christians. Like-minded, one body, loving God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and we uplift one another in prayer as we are told to do throughout the scripture. And once you become and you walk in his way and you follow after him, we do it his way. Don't slothfully sit back in your recliner, sucking your suds, or you're sipping on your tea with the girls, and you don't get out and testify or do what God called you to do. That's slothful, lazy, complacent, and you just don't care. Is it harsh and your knickers getting all bound up? Well, maybe they should. Maybe they should make you squirm in, in your seat because that's exactly what you're being if you're not going out and sharing God's word. But here's the thing that's really important too, is that unforgiveness, if we get bound up in unforgiveness, it binds us in not good places. Being bound by unforgiveness, we are bound and not moving forward. We are in a dark place. And basically we're on a broken down path that's not even lit anymore. Uh, Because it's been so downtrodden and nobody pays any attention. And you're tied to the lamppost out there in the dark. And you're going to probably sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there. Miserable. Agitated. Upset. Getting more and more angry. The longer you sit out there in the cold. Agitated about stuff. But... Who put you there? And you see, that's the other thing when you get bound up with this unforgiveness thing and not forgiving or not willing to. You want to point your finger and blame somebody for you choosing to be there. How is that? Now see, I have some things that are going on, but I'm I'm not going to be unforgiving. I'm not going to be bound up and held down by that. Whereas the, I'm thinking, believing, just because what I'm perceiving going on is that the other person is, and what I have already had others that have shared that are um, somewhat involved, mutually relative involvement. So they've already shared with me, and the indication is that this person is bound up by that. So they're, they're bringing a lot of things into play that have no business being involved. Why? Because they're bound up in that dark place In unforgiveness. And it will take us down. A very dark place. It will take us down an unlit path. And remember what the scripture tells us. About the Holy Spirit. And the spirit of truth. It is. As a. Lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. So are you going to be wound with the ties that bind in love or bound by anchors? Choose wisely because if you don't, it's not a good place to be. And we see there are many, many scriptures about forgiveness. We go to Numbers 14, 18, Psalm 103, 10 through 12. Psalm one, one through two, but here is probably the most significant. Um, and folks will remember this; it's got a got its own title. And Christ taught us how to do this because the disciples asked about it. And he was talking and teaching because there are many that get out and they just um, they just babble and go out there um, and they do it out in public so that others can see them. And Christ tells us in Matthew 6, 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And there are some that have the attitude, well, then why ask? Well, because God likes to talk to you. And remember what I shared about you, the prayers when you pray to God. See, when you talk to God, those are prayers. You should do so humbly, respectfully, with auspicious fear, not to be afraid of God. Here's where people get all mixed up. They get afraid. That's not what, there is nothing in the scripture that says we, and when it talks about fear of God, it's talking about auspicious, reverent fear. He's our king, he's our creator. He's the maker of all things made. You need to be aware of what he is and what he's capable of. And so you are reverent, you are humble. You are not arrogant. You can be bold and humble. At the same time, that is entirely possible. So you're not trembling, your knees you are not knocking because you're so afraid or you're so fearful. And you see the thing of it is that you don't have to be fearful of God. Fear him in reverence. But here, let's go back over here now. We're gonna go to Matthew 9. Jesus teaches us, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Notice how he said that? Our Father, talking about him and us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name, hallowed. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now here's, here's an important thing some individuals Get twisted about this. Christ is teaching about the Word of God, the truth, and prayer, talking to God, and spending time with God. He's not talking about physical food. God knows we need that, but our daily bread, and remember this too, that Christ has been likened unto our portion, and the Word of God. The word of God has been likened unto the bread of life. The word of God, the prayers, our, our bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That's the sovereignty of our Lord, our God. Do not, do not sit idly by and allow the savor of your salt to waste. Now we have an individual that I happen to come to like a whole lot. Paul, and then I'm I'm getting this toss-up thing going between Paul and and then John. And remember, John is a pretty, John's a pretty powerful writer here. And um, you have to remember that John, John is, John is one of the Sons of Thunder. And I like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were always walking around and they had notepads with them. They had journals with them. They were journaling constantly, everything, everywhere they went around. It. And Matthew used to get poked fun at for this. Um I think he got poked mostly because he was a tax collector, used to be. He was. Um, but he had a book. He was always taking notes of everything that Jesus was saying. Some people thought that it was not a good thing, but goodness gracious, powerful words that he wrote down, and they came straight from Jesus. John did the same thing. Mark did the same thing. Luke did the same thing. Mark had education. Luke was a uh, Luke was a physician, but in John, you can find um, in. 1 John, 1 John, where are we at here? Uh, we go to the first chapter, First John, and we're going to go to 7 through 10. Well, actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to go back up to verse 4. 4 through 10. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Remember what I was talking about? Complacency, slothful and God called and had to do things and wants you to do these things and you refuse to do it and you say that We, I, don't have to do it because God's gonna take care of everything. So I don't have to do anything. Well, John tells you straight right there. Further in verse five, but whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him on himself also also so to walk even as he walked. Christ-like Christian. Now, see, remember at this time, they weren't calling themselves Christians yet. And the terminology was um, those in the way or those of the way. And they were still having to hide because... You had individuals that were hunting them down back then and in, in previous time and, and before this. Um, you had uh, Saul, who was later changed to Paul and knocked off his ass in the middle of the road to Damascus. And Jesus stood over him and was questioning him about his persecution of him and the body of Christ. And Christ was talking about the persecution of the body of Christ. Why persecuted thou me? Talking about the body of Christ, body of the church. Those who were following him, those who sought him, those who wanted to be like him and do what he called us to do. Saul was hunting them down, burning out the churches, putting them in prison, taking them bound up and having them arrested. But Jesus knocked him on the ground and then stood over him and then took his eyesight from him. He had to get help to go and be held up. And when Paul first received the sight and went to a meeting, they were frightened because they knew who Paul was. They knew who he was. And he had to have the brothers stand up and speak for him. But back to John. Verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. It's the same thing that Christ talked to us about when he first started his mission. The old commandment is not the word which ye have heard. F- the old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. And remember, John is writing, he's not talking about your earthly family brother. He's talking about those that are the way Christ talks about our neighbors. It's not talking about the guy that lives in the house right outside my front door, back door, and I can talk to him over the fence. Yeah, that's my neighbor, but a neighbor is anyone that you walk down the street and you pass them by, at your neighbor. And your brothers and sisters, we need to pray one for another. Further, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because ye have known the father. Now he's not talking about, he's talking about young Christians. He's talking about those that are following and studying and all that, and that you have older, more mature Christians that have been around. And some of them, Knew Jesus when he was still on this plane of existence before he was crucified. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, he love. The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. And the bride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. John is a potent writer. I like John. John pulls no punch. John tells the truth. If you don't want to hear the truth, don't read John. Don't read the Bible at all because you're going to be caught up and bound up in the lies. That's more your speed or more your style than, yeah. But definitely stay away from John because he's going to tell you what's up. Further in verse three, John, 1 John 3 Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God therefore the world knoweth us not because they knew him not let that sink in for a minute beloved now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. This is the word of God. This is the truth. I share his truth, his word, and his way. So brothers, we need to guard against those things. We need to be forgiving. We need to guard against iniquities. That come from the devil. What is iniquity. Or iniquitous behavior. And we have to also understand something too. And I found this in scripture. That God is very long suffering. Which means he's very patient. We do a lot of things that are hurtful to God. But he is long suffering. And this is often attributed to God and think about it he's enduring patient of the injurious behavior that we provoke him with but he's long suffering look at what he went through and took the nation out from Egypt taking care of them and everything, and then they, they turned against him pretty much constantly, but he was still patient with them. He loved them, and he was still guiding them and taking care of them. But then they just came, and they shook their fists at him, and they refused to do what he told them to do. He was, gonna, he was delivering them to the land of milk and honey, which was exactly as he told them it was going to be. But they said, no, you're not good enough. You're not powerful enough. We're not going in there. So what did they do? They wandered for 40 years until all those that had gone in and agreed that they weren't going to go. Those were the adults at that time. Now, if you remember, you can go through and do the mathematics here is that God had them do that because the adults that chose to not do that and God was not going to punish the children because they weren't of the age that they could make a decision. They were doing basically what their parents told them to do. And they were drug along into their decision. They might have wanted to go and do what God said. Come, yeah, yeah, God, let's go beat up on giants. But they did what their parents told them to do. So for that 40 years that they wandered around and that generation who detested the truth of God and the will of God and refused to follow the will of God, they died. They didn't get to go. And then God turned him around, brought him back up there, and Moses was getting ready. He was getting old and getting kind of long tooth, and Joshua was getting ready to take over and lead him in. God is very long-suffering. Then, of course, you had everything went, and then uh, you read about everything that was going on, and Noah was building the ark for 120 years, so his prophet and his man, his servant, who was doing what God wanted to do for 120 years, he was preaching to these people to repent and do all these things. And, and they had been so foul and so nasty. So this is from, you know, God was watching. From when he brought them in and created heaven and earth, and kept an eye on them, and they weren't doing so good. And he was really sorry that he had created us. And then for another 120 years, he gave us another chance. He said, yeah, I'm going to give him another chance. Noah preached to them, get them to change your mind, and I'm not going to destroy the world. They didn't. Repent! They just brought their blankets and their picnic lunch and they sat out there and they blasphemed and they made fun of God, they made fun of Noah and they poked fun at this big boat that was out there and there was no water around, no streams, no lakes, no ponds. They didn't know anything about groundwater and no idea that it was even there. They just had stuff that grew and they didn't know it. Well, that long-suffering... Attribute that God's got and still has is finally came to a head and he fled it, the earth. And then, of course, you have Sodom and Gomorrah and he did he gave, you know, that was even something that didn't happen right away. He had one of his followers, one of his prophets was trying to say, God, now, you know, what if I find one? What if I find two? What if I, you know, and and God was. God was relenting and and listening to what he was saying, but then didn't find anything. And then, of course, uh, his angels went in. And uh, Lot and his family left, but Sarah didn't pay attention to what she was told by the angel. She turned around and looked, and she was petrified. So... We need to be forgiving and we need to be not caught up in this iniquitous behavior that we get caught up in. Iniquity. Here's a word I'm going to share that with you. Iniquity actually comes from a Latin and the word is iniquitas. And it means uneven, unfair. And there are many that are going to say, well, life isn't fair. Well, yeah, that's true. Except iniquity is really, really bad. It's wickedness and it's the term gross injustice or wickedness you have no desire to even be just be true be kind be and you just take every opportunity that you have to cheat lie steal that's the devil what does christ tell us about that and he looks to do nothing but come in to lie rob cheat steal and kill destroy Sounds like Satan, when you're in iniquity and you're doing all this and you have no interest in doing anything right. And the second definition is that it's a violation of right, lack of justice. So that's your desire to be that way. That's iniquitous behavior. That's iniquity. And does that not sound like the devil? Oh, it sure does. Sounds like it came to me. and here's something in third letter of john beloved this is um third john verse 11 beloved follow not that which is evil but that which is good he that doeth good is of god but he that doeth evil hath not seen god And, pardon me, brothers and sisters, chase after those things that are good. Don't be bound by unforgiveness. Don't be bound by lies, cheating, robbing, stealing, iniquities. But importantly, and it doesn't matter, what anyone or anyone says or does in this plane of existence, this is not what we need to be bound up in. And don't be into vain arguments and we're in a spiritual warfare for our very souls. And we are called to help others so that they can be forgiven, that they can be brought into the family of God, that we can all sit down at one table together and that they can see the kingdom of heaven and be heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. That is what we're called to do and that's what we should do. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers, my going out and coming in, be blessed.